many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Superhumans, amigos, muchachos. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again for another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. As always, I like to bring on experts to really separate true from, frankly, crap, and to give you bite-sized pieces of actionable information about this health world that you can use in your everyday life to become more superhuman. Today's episode is a little bit more of a dive into the wearable industry and really just giving you information so that you can make more informed decisions. My guest today is Chuck Hazard, and I came to know Chuck through his work as VP of Sales over at Aura. Now, this conversation was originally scheduled to be much about the new Aura ring, but it spawned off into so much more, and it allowed me to really delve into who is the man, the myth, Chuck Hazard. And so Chuck is an entrepreneur and technology expert with a current focus on the wearable industry. In the past, Chuck has designed and built computer networks, developed software applications for large corporations, helped build a successful telecommunications business from the ground up, and more recently helped a large telecommunications company develop and bring to market products and services, yielding an additional $500 million in annual revenue. It's pretty impressive, right? Chuck earned his Bachelor's in Arts in Computer Science and Mathematics from the University of Maine, where he also earned his Juris Doctorate in their School of Law. Chuck is also a graduate from the FDN program, which I am going through, and is a licensed heart math provider. So what did we get into in this episode? Because frankly, it was quite a lot. In this episode, Chuck and I do a deep dive into Aura, but also wearables in general. I get to ask the question that's on everybody's mind. Why the finger? What's the accuracy of Aura? Aura versus Whoop and Chuck's interesting relationship with both organizations. What has Chuck learned since using the Aura ring? The durability of the Aura Ring and how Alex Fergus actually lifts with it every day. The EMFs that come off of Aura and whether or not you should be concerned about that. And then finally, and this was probably my favorite part of the episode, Chuck's top tips for better sleep, focus, and performance. I actually didn't expect this to go the way it did, but his answers led me to dive a little bit more into PEMF and magnets. And then I also adjusted my my lights in the evening so that they turn red at 8 o'clock. And we get into why that is in the episode. The show notes for this one, which will be packed with tools, and awesome information can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash aura. That's O-U-R-A. And after listening to this, if you actually want to go out and purchase an Aura ring, you can go on their website, use the code BOOMER, as in my name, B-O-O-M-E-R, and you can get $50 off, or if you're in the European Union, 50 euros off ordering of a new ring. I hope you enjoy this episode, superhumans, and have an epic day. Chuck, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you coming on because I, I've had the Aura Ring now for almost, I want to say six to nine months. I don't even remember exactly. And it's been profound in terms of how it's it's changed. The way I look at specifically sleep, uh, but other aspects of my day-to-day as well. So thank you for coming on the show and fielding what are a bunch of questions for me, but also some of my listeners. Chuck, let's dive a little bit into your background because you haven't always been in the health field. I want to hear more about how you came to Aura. 
Yeah, my background is in software development and telecommunications. And along the way, I, I've worked for a lot of big, you know, high-tech companies like IBM, Digital Equipment, Fairchild uh, Semiconductor, and then eventually started my uh, company with another fellow that was in telecommunications. It was one of the first internet providers, private ones in the U.S. After that, I just kind of did a, a bunch of miscellaneous things. Um, but along the way, after uh, the telco companies, I got into uh, endurance running. And around 2011, uh, I you know, was doing really well until I wasn't. <laughs> I had started eating a raw vegan diet and running you know, up to 100-kilometer races. Wow. All of a sudden, I got to a point where I could barely get out of bed. You know, my health had really gone downhill. I went to my doctor. He said, you know, you you probably should go on testosterone, you know, after my labs came back. And I said, no, wrong answer. So I found a functional guy who was a cardiologist. He ran a bunch of tests on me and said, you know, you need to t change your diet. <laughs> You're killing yourself. So uh, I did and, you know, got my health back after about six months. Also around the same time, I was lucky to uh, meet some people that were on the early fitness watches, Garmin, when they were getting into it. And this company became uh, the next side of Garmin, the web part of it. Uh, and so they were testing the early uh, Garmin uh, forerunners. So I was one of the testers for that. And then, you know, did a little testing for other companies like Zio. So the, the old wearable that you'd put on your head. Yeah, you yeah. And then uh, also got, you know, interested in other like biohacking things. I uh, ended up going to law school and there was a lot of stress in that. And so I met a guy at MIT from when I was working at digital equipment that talked about binaural tones. And so I started using those to de-stress. They worked really well during law school. And then uh, eventually also uh, went through uh, the FDN course that Reed puts on. Yeah, I'm in the midst of that one right now. Okay. Yeah. So it was a great you know, one year kind of thing. And so then I you know, started testing uh, some other sleep trackers like uh, Whoop. And then, you know, that got me re really interested in recovery because all the watches that you run with, they would tell you right after you finish running, you need to relax or rest for 19 hours, but they don't know how you're going to sleep or any of that stuff. So Whoop was the first company that had that recovery score in the morning that looked at your sleep and you know other things. Then I saw you know the Aura Ring came up on Kickstarter. I started talking to uh, some of the founders and eventually was able to meet some of them in person. And that's when I uh, joined the company. That was in the fall of uh, 2016. I actually interacted with you when I was first reaching out with some questions on the ring itself. And uh, I, I guess, First question from my end is why why the ring? Because it's really the first of its kind. You know, there's a lot of bands out there. There's a lot of different things, but why the ring? The most of the fitness wearables are on the wrist because people are used to wearing watches. And one thing that became apparent right off is it they work reasonably well and they've gotten better at it. But that is like the one of the worst places you could actually measure anything. And there, there are a bunch of reasons for that, you know, tattoos, skin color, hair, you get vibration no matter how tight it is. Uh, you get a lot of in interference from the sun. 
Uh, it's much stronger than the LEDs they use on the watches. Um, and, but the bigger thing is you don't have a lot of concentration of uh, where uh, arteries hand off to capillaries, the blood. Uh, whereas in the finger, you have a huge density of those. And so the, the base of the finger is an incredible place to measure uh, highly accurate heart rate, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate. Just on that, because you mentioned earlier that you've you've done some work with the Whoop guys, but just in general, uh, I noticed that my HRV is lower by a significant amount versus other devices. Is that just saying that the aura is more accurate, or is it because of the position of which it is being measured? So all the way down at my extremities. Well, it really comes down to what you're comparing it to. So most people that are monitoring HRV, they're, they're waking up in the morning, they're using either something they stick on their finger or a chest strap. And the problem with that is as soon as you wake up, you're uh, exposed to environmental factors you can't control necessarily. So you're either thinking about work, uh, you've got a dog like I do that wants to go out and it's time to whine, <laughs> um, even though he doesn't have to, it could be kids or you, you want the really high score, so you're constantly changing your breathing patterns to get a higher HIV. We measure while you're sleeping, and that is the best time because you're measuring, in our case, we're measuring throughout the night. Uh, I don't think any of the other people that, and Whoop is an example, are measuring right through the night. So I'll give you an example of that. So if you slept eight hours, we're using standard five-minute samples to get an HIV score, so you would have 96 distinct HRV samples throughout the night. So we, we show you the graph of all of those, which is important because HRV goes into recovery, but if your uh, graph of your HRV samples goes up while you're sleeping, that's evidence that your nervous system recovered while you're sleeping, which is, in, you know, is important. Um, the other part of this is uh, we have not validated on the, the new ring yet, uh, but on the ring like you're wearing, we did do a, a validation. And the HR, our heart rate uh, validated against a lab ECG at 99.8% accurate. And the HRV was 98.4%. So very, very accurate measurements for both of those. Okay, so essentially it's, it's an average throughout the night is what I'm seeing in the morning, right? Yeah, in the morning we show you the graph on the app, and then we also show you the average you, uh, for the night. Okay, and, and you mentioned the accuracy, and so you've had the old ring tested. Do I have that right, and not the new ring just so far? So one of the things in developing a new product is uh, you have to uh, make some choices uh, at different points in the development. So up till recently, the choice was debugging uh, the sensors, the new sensors that are in the ring. Mm -hmm. And so we just recently flipped that. So now that we're going to start validating and tuning the infrared sensors to make them you know, focused on getting the even better heart rate and heart rate variability accuracy, which we believe we'll be able to get with the new sensors. I mean, they're like four or five years newer. So like everything technology gets better. I'm looking forward to it and I've already, I'm waiting for mine to arrive. Uh, on the accuracy, do we mind just going in a little bit on some of the tests that you've run on the accuracy? Because I know Stanford Research uh, tested it and there were some pretty, you mentioned a couple of them already, but in yeah. terms of when I open up my, my app 
and I'm an Android guy, but yeah. if you open up the new app on the yeah. iPhone, you get more, inf well, different information. But uh, just in terms of some of the data points that we're getting, things like deep sleep, REM, et cetera, uh, do you mind commenting on the accuracy of those measurements and the significance of the accuracy? Uh, again, only on the, the original ring like you're wearing. There were two different studies done. The first one was done by the Finnish health group. They had a, I can't remember how many people were in it, but I can send you the link to that. They had rings that were, you know, fit correctly. And with good fitting rings, we came up, you know, as far as the thing that SRI was focused on, distinguishing between REM and deep sleep, we were in like the high, middle of high 70s percent mm -hmm. accurate. If you look at two, if you had two people scoring somebody's sleep in a PSG sleep study, mm -hmm. they're only like 82, 83%. You're saying 75 versus 82 in like the polysomography test. Yeah, yeah. So we're very, we're very close to that. Now, SRI, the difference with them, and, and I'm not trying to diminish what they did, but they bought two sizes, a size of seven and a size 11 ring off our Kickstarter. They never told us. They did the same kind of thing. They had people wear the ring and go through a sleep study, PSG sleep study. And they said we were, it was like in the mid to 50s on deep and REM. And almost everybody can do the when you fell asleep, when you wake up just from motion sensors. But so we were much lower with SRI, but I wouldn't say a lead researcher, but my understanding from uh, some conversations I've uh, been privy to that some of the people, they didn't have very good fitting rings because only had seven and 11. And even if the ring was quite loose, they chose to wear it on their ring finger. And if you turn the first generation ring a little bit, and I've tested this and other people have, it will skew deep in REM sleep. And so, you know, the new ring, uh, and we can get into this more, but one of the differences with the new ring is the infrared sensors are further apart. So we truly believe, and there's some other tricks we're doing with the sensors that we can actually tolerate like almost a 90 degree turn without skewing those in the future. Before we get into the new ring, I want to talk about some of the other data that you're able to collect with it. And maybe that can segue to the new ring. Right now, you can collect anything from, well, there's a little bit of an activity tracker, but there's also, you know, you deep REM light, etc. But things like body temperature. Do you mind touching mm -hmm. on why this information may be valuable? To someone. And again, I'll point out because other uh, wearables have temperature sensors. As far as I know, like especially the ones that are wrist-based, they're partly using the temperature sensor to determine if the watch is on your wrist or not, so they can turn off the optical sensors. In our case, we're using the temperature sensor, which let me back up. <laughs> While you're sleeping, and it's part of your nocturnal biology, your core temperature and your skin temperature get very close while you're sleeping. So by having a temperature sensor in the ring, we, we can actually understand your night-to-night -night differences in your temperature, what, what's happening with your core temperature. And so we, what we show in the app is uh, the deviations from your baseline we established when you first start wearing the ring. Temperature uh, can be used in several different ways. It, it helps us understand partially with the other data we're collecting what sleep stage you're in. It can also be uh, used to show if you're overtraining or undertraining, uh, a lot of coaches have used this over the years, morning temperature readings. Um, you can also use it to determine if you're actually getting sick. And I've seen this happen before where, before I even felt any symptoms, 
I saw you know, my temperature starting to go up. And one was coming back from uh, a jet lag study I did in Finland. And I came down with a flu like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned this. I had this happen to me after Paleo FX. And I don't know what, it was like two days before I left Austin. And I was like, I yeah. feel fine. What's going on? And then I landed in yeah. Amsterdam and boom. Right. And so then and then the, the last thing is, uh, and we've proven this with a small group of women in our office, but and my wife has actually seen this, you can actually use the temperature deviations if you're for women to track your, the menstrual cycle. And to the extent we've had interest from some of the uh, fertility app uh, developers on using the ring mm-hmm. instead of having women take the temperature to feed it directly into their app. Do you mind just walking through, before we get into the new ring, how exactly the readiness score uh, works? Because I love, by the way, I love the user interface of the old app um, as it was, just because it's very easy to for any client of mine to use. But the top line is sort of one is, you know, sleep, one is activity, one is readiness. Do you mind just going through the readiness aspect of it? Right. So... You know, one thing that a lot of athletes, you know, and coaches for athletes, different types of athletes, worry about is whether somebody's overtraining. I mean, because if you have an athlete, whether it's professional team sports or, you know, triathletes, runners, marathoners, whatever, you need to, you know, make sure they stay in that sweet spot where they're not overtraining and undertraining. That's one of the reasons, and even if you're not an athlete, we included a readiness or recovery score. As even if you're not an athlete, you want to know how prepared you are for the, the day ahead of you. And so the, the readiness score is based on several contributors. At a high level, it's based on how restorative your sleep was. So everything that goes into us determining you know, how well you slept and your sleep score in general, uh, that's a big part of it. Uh, we, we look at your temperature deviation. So if you are becoming you know, sick or whatever, uh, before you even know it, the last thing you want to be doing is going out and doing a really intense workout and everything else could be green to go. You feel, you feel, feel fine. You have a lot of energy. You have no idea you're going to be sick, but you know, your temperature is already rising. Other things we use is your uh, lowest resting heart rate. And a lot of people like coaches would just test your resting heart rate in the morning and they look at trends in that to see if you're overtraining or undertraining. But we also look at not how low it got, but when it happened at yeah. night, and so if it's in the later part of night, it means you were revved up when you went to bed. So you most likely, and that could be caused by late dinner, uh, alcohol, uh, late exercise. But if, if, you, if you're revved up in the early part of your sleep, uh, then you're not going to get you know, a, a lot of deep sleep. Deep sleep helps a lot with more of the physical, hormonal recovery aspects of your sleep. Uh, we look at HRV and the trending of that. We look at your prior day's activity uh, in sort of the five-day running average. We also look at other aspects of sort of your circadian alignment. And, you know, is your, in general, is your sleep being consistent and aligned with the middle of the, the nighttime? So if you're bouncing around and have like social jet lag, as I think a mutual friend would describe it, then you're readiness score is going to be impacted is that right you're not going to have restorative sleep i mean you're you're cheating yourself out and i mean that's the thing is you're you couldn't possibly have good recovery if you're constantly like college kids they have to get up for classes way before they probably should and they study late at night and then on weekends they go out drinking till hours of the night and then they sleep half the day the next day and which is not good or my old job where i used to fly all over the place but uh, one of the most profound things I, I found on this was uh, 
the resting heart rate component. Getting that early in the night has changed the way I feel the next day. And I can almost pinpoint with like certain accuracy that that is a one variable that if I can control for it, I will feel great the next morning. Yeah, and I'll give you another thing I found a correlation that has to do with resting heart rate. I found that my insulin load, which is based on carbohydrate intake and protein, uh, more on the carb thing, my insulin load tracks exactly with my resting heart rate. I could predict exactly what my resting heart rate is going to be before I go to bed based on my insulin load. How are you measuring that? Is that like a glucose measurement or is it? No, so insulin load is a calculation from, uh, you know, if you, so I use fitness pal and I, I graph that on heads up health. Uh, they, they actually do the graph for me uh, on insulin load. They do the calculation from my fitness, uh, fitness pal information. And then I, they pull in the aura data. So I have my resting heart rate and I've graphed those and it's, it's actually been kicked around on some biohacker blogs that when I found this, correlation and posted it. It's pretty interesting. I, I'm going to have to check that one out myself. Before we move on to the new ring, the activity, because we've exploded the sleep, we've exploded the readiness. Uh, might as well touch on the activity before we move on to the, the new ring. Measurement in terms of activity steps, etc. And then there's an input uh, for exercise. Is that just a, a mathematical calculation or estimate? The, the original ring has just an accelerometer. So that an accelerometer operates on an X, Y, Z plane. The new ring adds a gyro, which is the other dimension. We actually, using the accelerometer, it works really well if you're walking or running. Just general movement during the day, which I should point out that a lot of people focus a lot, you know, way too much on when they go to the gym or doing any sort of workout. Even if you kill yourself, you're not really... You're getting a metabolic effect, but it's it's not the end all. How you move during the rest of the day is what's important. Amen. And so we pick that up really well. We actually use face masks to figure out what your carbon dioxide exchange is. Mm -hmm. We calibrate our sort of the metabolic burn that we calculate off the accelerometer. And I think we do it really well, better than any other wearable. Um, the new ring adds a gyro, which that really doesn't add much to the equation initially when we start shipping the rings. But once you add a gyro, you can then train uh, any wearable. And you see the Garmin's and Fitbits of the world have added gyros for this reason. You can either do it yourself or, or pay somebody to basically go through a, there's a catalog of like 140 gym workouts, for instance. And you basically pay somebody that has good form to figure out this is a curl, this is a you know vertical push-up, whatever. And with a gyro, you can, you can actually uh, train a device so it can quickly realize you've switched to a different movement. Or mm -hmm. the accelerometer, you might be done on the next reps before it even realizes you've changed. Mm -hmm. With a gyro, it might take one rep before it knows you've changed. So you could actually start monetizing the metabolic burn for lots of different activities without having to manually put them in. But for right now, you have to manually enter them and say, I did CrossFit for 45 minutes, moderate intensity or whatever. And so with that, I guess, uh, brings a question of personal experience with the ring. Grabbing a barbell is uh, probably not something that anyone, in fact, I know I have an email from you saying, don't grab barbell with this. Uh, how would you be able to use the gyro or is there something in the new ring that allows you to grab a barbell, for instance? Well, if I, if I was going to do a CrossFit workout or just lift, I would probably wear lifting gloves. Mm -hmm. That's to protect the ring. It's to protect your fingers from pinching. We've had a lot of the first generation rings broken. I mean, it's a pretty tough material. 
but people have broken them lifting weights. Uh, the exception is Alex Fergus. He lifts a lot of heavy yeah. things and he's still got his original ring. I don't know how, how the I'm guy curious got how he does it. It's crazy. Good form, I guess. Yeah, because I, I did a power, it was a deadlift and I cracked the ring, but I mean, yeah. it still functions fine. And with the new ring, it's titanium. Mm-hmm. Unlike any metal ring, it'll scratch if you put it metal to metal. So I would recommend either taking off wearing gloves. But if you want to get the wraps, I think a lot of people are lifting. They don't really care about counting reps. They're just serious about it, or even CrossFit. They beg to differ. If you're competing, they want to know what their heart rate is every second. Yeah. But, but anyway, most people are just you know casual uh, lifting just for wellness and fitness. Taking the ring off is probably the best thing because it's not going to add anything. Because you know how many reps you're going to do, how much weight you lift in. Exactly. I keep it a logbook anyway. Exactly. So it's just double counting in a way. The new app. I guess the first question is, is it, when's the Android version coming out? Well, I, I don't, don't quote me. I may be wrong here, but if you go to Google Play and uh, search for Aura Demo, okay. uh, beta, Aura Beta, excuse me, you should be able to download it. Okay. So maybe, maybe it is there. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know if they've advertised this, but if you want to start, but it is a beta app and I don't know, maybe you can't find it. I, don't, I didn't think there was any special sauce for me. Yeah, so it, it's working. One of the biggest challenges with Android is because you don't have the control that Apple has, mm-hmm. there are so many different hardware manufacturers. Uh, so it, it might run, like it runs great on my Google Pixel, the original Pixel. It may run well on other brand new Samsungs that are running 8.0, but you get somebody with a Galaxy 4 S4 yeah. run 7 and the Bluetooth doesn't work. We may have to do like a, a rollout of say, you know, if you've got an 820 phone from this list, it works fine. But anybody that is on this list, then we'll, you know, start working on debugging the Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. That's the big challenge on Androids is some Android phones, the Bluetooth just doesn't work well. So I, I just tried and I couldn't find I couldn't find it, but I'll try and get it later. So just on the features of the new app, and then we'll go into the new ring, of course, uh, the new app, wh- what can we expect to see in that? And what can we gather? And I love Aura Cloud, by the way. So the, the, big, the biggest thing with a few things, actually, and you, you just mentioned one of them is the new app might not be, you know, again, change is hard. Some people may say, well, I like like you did. The original one had the three numbers right on the top. The new one is more like it's a timeline. So it's sort of like what, you know, what your day is looking like, my day, right? So front and center, when you wake up, we believe the first thing people want to see is how recovered I am. So that's right on the top, you know, that your, your readiness score, and it'll have like a one sentence, like mine says today, concentrate on recovery. Then you have sleep, and it tells you, you know, how many hours you slept, what your score is for that, what your lowest resting heart rate was. Then it has sort of your, what's your goal, you know, like on, based on your calorie burn or, and or steps for the day then you can you can click on on any of the like on the readiness or the sleep or the activity it flips over and it gives you moments what are called moment cards and it has a little more detail about sleep readiness with some messaging about you know, what your day looks like mm-hmm. should look like and and we'll be refining this over time and then if you click again you'll go into the more detailed screens like you're used to seeing like so for sleep you'll see the histogram the bars that show how much deep REM sleep you got, you know, the re- your heart rate graph for the night, and same with readiness, the, all the contributors, 
resting heart rate, HIV graph. And then uh, the other thing we added to the app is a lot of the stuff that's on the clouds. It's so trending. Mm-hmm. So you can access the trends directly from there. Oh, wow. So you don't have to go into the cloud anymore. Yeah. The only thing you can't do on the app is you can't overlay two things, mm-hmm. uh, but you can look at individual trends. So you can you know, zero in and say, what's my HIV done mm-hmm. uh, daily, weekly, monthly, and scroll back through time through your history and look at those and how it changes. Uh, we also added uh, notes and tagging. And one of the things about that that'll be helpful is all the messaging we had, the initial app was very static. It's sort of like a Myers-Briggs test. If you were in the center of a Myers-Briggs, like you're not introverted or extroverted, <laughs> it's very meaningful, right? And so if your scores consistently put you in the middle of like a quadrant, mm-hmm. you would get the same messages every day from Aura, which again, after a while, I'd say, what are they doing for me? The ring measures really good data, right? But we don't know what you're doing. We can only guess at what you're doing. So with notes and tags, you can start to tell us about what you're doing. And so we can actually then look through your data and determine maybe some correlations between say, hey, look, you know what? When you drink alcohol. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. It it screws with your your recovery because you're not getting deep sleep. Mm -hmm. So things like that. So we need to learn about you and then we can go through your data and start to help you find correlations. Your input we'll have in the app from day one is uh, is more in the circadian rhythm stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can look after a week or two, at least two weeks of data. You've already got a ring, so it'll be day one. But for a new user of the ring, after about two weeks, we'll actually see that based on the time you actually go to bed, when you get the highest sleep scores. So we can actually zero in on this is, you know, this window is when you should always go to sleep. Uh, so that's the start of a lot more work we'll be doing on uh, sort of the circadian rhythms. And part of that is going to be looking at, you know, the whole 24-hour period with the activity and stuff we see. And when it's highest, we can tell when you're working out, most likely, but you can also help us with that. And we can actually find out that you get the best sleep when you, when you exercise for your prototype between 10 and 12 in the morning. So is the intent then to have, I guess, later on, once you've gathered a lot of this tag data, to be able to push recommendations to the user via the app? Yeah, well, tell you when you should eat, uh, when you should drink coffee, when you should have sex, when you should exercise, you know, all these things. And it, and again, if, if people have read Dr. Bruce's book, uh, The Power of When, great book. he's in all of these. Uh, but in fact, it's more than even the four animals that he describes. It's almost infinite choices based on uh, your genetics, basically. It's a fantastic book, by the way. Uh, Daniel Pink does a simpler version, but I do like Dr. Michael Bruce's book uh, a little bit better. The big things that are coming out, uh, there's some other things in the background that will help, you know, help people. Is uh, the, the first uh, app sometimes wouldn't always sync with the cloud right off. It would just sink in the morning, and we'll be breaking that up into smaller chunks, so there's a chance to you know back up more often. Um, and then, likewise, the app sometimes the activity didn't show up right after you put it in, or you actually did something like just walking. And when you open the app now, it'll show up more you know quickly on your main screen. So let's go into the new ring now. So the biggest the biggest thing you know people focus on is you know the size difference, right? Absolutely, it looks yeah. more like a real ring, right? Right. So that, so that was the biggest thing is a lot of people were offended by the big size. I actually, I actually like the big ring. So do I. So it's a, it's a, it's a conversation starter, right? right? Exactly. The other thing it's hard to see, but uh, we have, this had a, has a contact charger. It's a fairly big charger. 
Uh, the new ring is, is simply a magnetic, like electric toothbrush. Mm -hmm. You just set it on the charger and you know, it only, can only go on one way. And, but like the original one, it has a white light on the front that'll blink when it's charging. It'll go solid when it's finished charging, mm -hmm. plus notification on the app. So that was a big difference. The new ring has a longer battery life. Uh, it'll go up to seven days. I think it could potentially go longer depending on the person. Uh, the original ring was only two to three days. The charging time, like with the original ring, if you charged every day, uh, it's less than 10 minutes. And, and there's no problem if someone still wants to charge every day. It's actually not bad for the battery life. If you drain the ring almost completely out, it might be 80 minutes, but mm -hmm. still not that long. I usually charge, if I think about it, not every day with the new ring, but might be three or four days I stick it on the charger and it's usually like 30, 40 minutes. In terms of just data gathering features, is there any new data to report or any new data that it's gathering? I mean, other than you know, the gyroscope advantage yeah. to be able to track some activities better like swimming. If you imagine infrared sensors on the new ring are not quite at directly across the ring from each other, but higher up from the bottom than the original ring. Um, so by doing that, uh, we, th we believe we'll be able to actually capture heart rate and heart rate variability data, more of it over 24-hour periods. So for instance, the original ring, you had to be really still to get the sensors to come on. Mm -hmm. That infrared sensors don't like motion. If you think about even doing that, the increase in blood flow through your finger, you only have two arteries feeding all the blood to, to the finger, it's a lot of noise. But because the new sensors are further apart and they're improved sensors and we're using a different way to uh, manipulate the signal through the, the finger, we believe that we'll be able to capture up to 12 hours of heart rate and heart rate variability data over a 24-hour period. Wow. So it's eight plus like another four hours. Now, are, as somebody who's sort of a, a data geek... Are we going to be able to export all of that data or pull that out? You already can uh, um, download uh, a C CSV files from the cloud. Mm -hmm. Your data, um, it's kind of rolled up summaries. It's you know they're, they're like really raw, high resolution data you have to pay for. But we may provide more you know additional resolution down the road for just any consumer. The other thing I should point out in the app, it won't be day one, but one thing that's a high priority to get out. Uh, this summer is on-demand uh, heart rate, heart, heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that'll look like from a user interface standpoint, but imagine there's a button on the app that says, I'm going to do a mindfulness, whatever, or meditation now, click go, you know, almost like a uh, heart math kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just hit go and that'll provide you during that period of say five minutes or whatever, or 10 minutes or half an hour, you'll have your average heart rate and average HRV during that time period. You can do that during a public speaking event too and see how you react, which would be very interesting to do. Now you can already do that with your current ring and, and the way to do that, it'll show up if you've downloaded the, or can download the app, or if you have another iOS device kicking around. But just put your hand on a table and just stay really still, at least for probably seven or eight minutes to get HRV because you have to wait for your the sensors to turn on, which could be upwards of two minutes. Mm -hmm. And it will start collecting. You need five minutes to get an HRV sample. Okay. And then after that, I would just go do my public speak and then come back. and Yeah. And then you can check it. I've done that with the first ring when they first had. And we've always turned the sensors on when you're still, but we never showed the data to the customer. Mm -hmm. But uh, once we had an app that actually showed that, like if I came back for a run, a lot of times I would do exactly that. I'd put my hand with my ring on it on you know the table 
and just sit, you know, I could get a good sense of how quickly my body recovered after the run, mm-hmm. you know, provided it down to what my HRV was. It looks really cool. I've already ordered one. Special coating to help reduce scratching, like, but even with that, they will scratch eventually like any metal ring. Unless you're Alice Fergus. So. He's wearing a, a Generation 1 ring, but yeah. No, he's, yeah. I don't know what, what he's going to do with it. One question that I get asked quite a bit, EMF. Now, you can put the Generation 1 ring in airplane mode, and it's effectively nil. But what's the EMF output of something like this? Just in general, again, Bluetooth, a lot of people are scared of it because there's sort of a FUD factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's lobbed in the same category as uh, admissions from cell towers and cell phones, you know, the cell radio. Wi-Fi is probably closer to cell as far as non-native EMF, as far as concerns, but it's still, I think, less of a concern than cell radios because of the frequencies. Some people might beg to differ on that. Bluetooth has been studied wildly because of hearing aids, hundreds of studies. And from a scientific standpoint, uh, they, they can see temporary changes in cellular activity. And this is something stuck in your ear. Uh, but as soon as the signal drops, everything goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say they could be a problem long-term. But for the Oura Ring, uh, even if you do nothing, the, the Bluetooth is on less than two minutes of a 24-hour period. But you're, you're able to put it in airplane mode. I mean, if you wanted, you could have zero Bluetooth off the ring by putting it in airplane mode. You wake up in the morning or whenever uh, you decide you want to sync your data with the new ring, you could go four or five days. And in fact, the ring can hold six weeks worth of data without syncing with the phone. And also, I should mention, while I'm thinking of it, the new ring, we've tested it to 150 meters with no problem. So you could, you know, when you get around to wanting to charge it, when you take it off your finger and put it in the charger, that's one way to take it out of airplane mode. The other way is take it off your finger long enough, like three minutes, and put it back on. So you put it in the charger, the thing charges, you get your notification on your phone that it's charged or the light stops blinking. You take it off the charger, put it on your finger, and put it directly into airplane mode again. And so you're going to have very minimal Bluetooth. Great. Chuck, this has been a super helpful explanation of everything that is Aura, and I've learned a few things myself. Um, just a couple of final questions for you, and I ask them of every guest. For you, since you're ultra-endurance runner, or used to be, what's your top trick for enhancing your focus rather than athletics? I mean, I think it really comes down to getting restorative sleep. And, and one thing, you know, one of the tools I've been using for many years that has really helped me feel like I've gotten great sleep is sleeping on an earth pulse system, which are magnets, pulse magnets under your bed. For both my wife and I, we found that's been hugely beneficial for our sleep. Our HRV scores, when we don't sleep on our own bed, like traveling, when we come back and sleep on the earth pulse, it's like night and day. That's pretty cool. Final question, favorite book on peak performance? Probably uh, Why We Run by Bernd Heinrich. Uh, and it was more of a study on endurance birds. You know, the tiny bird, songbirds that fly across the Atlantic Ocean. And it did touch on his own uh, endurance running. He's a bird PhD guy that German descent ended up being a professor at University of Vermont. Excellent. And then finally, where should we send people if uh, they want to learn more about the Aura Ring, maybe purchase a new Aura Ring? Uh, just AuraRing.com. Uh, there's I encourage people to check out our blogs. We have a lot of great content, not just on the ring, but uh, for instance, you know, I get a lot of inquiries from uh, female athletes wondering why we give them poor recovery scores during different different times of the month. 
and it's basically their temperature has risen. They, and there's science to back this. You shouldn't be training during, if you're a woman, during ter- certain times of your menstrual cycle. And so we've got blog posts on that. So there's a lot of good content there. And one of our former podcast guests, Benjamin Smarr, has actually written a few blog posts there. So he's, he's a guy who I, he's my go-to guy for sleep research. So I appreciate everything that he's done. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining all of the features of this ring because it is a question that I get quite a bit. And um, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Superhumans, thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Decoding Superhuman podcast and this interview with Chuck. I hope you enjoyed it because I got a lot of information out of this. And I mentioned in the introduction that I've actually made a few lifestyle changes based on what Chuck said. So thank you again. And if you wouldn't mind just dropping me a line with your feedback, it's podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. If you want to hear more, if you want to hear less, if you want to tell me how you feel about the Decoding Superhuman podcast and what you would change, I would love to hear from you. And then secondly, if you don't mind going over to your favorite podcast listening device, whatever that is, application, if you will, and giving Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It actually does help a lot in terms of getting the word out about this podcast, and we're starting to get a lot of traction in terms of the quality and awesomeness of all these guests. Frankly, all of them are awesome. But I hope you enjoyed the episode with Chuck, and without any sort of delay, have an epic day.